you could stand. We're going to read from the Word of God before Mark comes out to share the message with us. This is James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from, down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. All right. Enjoy this morning. Hello, hello, hello. Wow. I was just uh, reminding myself next week is Daylight Savings. It, it, it felt a little dark this morning, and I was thinking, you know, what's going on? So I looked, and I said, yeah, it's, it should be around now. Great to see you. I think we need a little bit of light here. I know some of you are reading from your phones or iPads, uh, the Bible, that is. Um, but uh, <laughs> there you are. Nice. You look marvelous. I am sporting a little bit of uh, Halloween here. You know, but very, very subtle, very subtle. I read a uh, f- fabulous article that kind of indicted me um, of the origins of Halloween. And I know that different parts come from different parts of uh, Europe, but uh, National Geographic has a great article about the Irish. And, you know, I have a little bit of everything in me, so if... Uh, if you don't like Halloween, you can br- blame my ancestors. <laughs> Read the article, and, um, and yeah, there it is. But I hope you'll reach out and love your neighbors uh, tonight and um, show them the love of Christ in uh, whatever way you want to do that. We're in James chapter 3, and uh, If you've been a part of this study of James, you know that all the way back in chapter 1, he said, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and doesn't hold back. And so if you prayed that prayer, look out, it's coming today. The answer is coming. But it's not what you think, because how we think of wisdom in our culture is completely different than how... uh, First of all, how it was prized in the ancient world, both Greeks and Hebrews. I don't think our culture prizes wisdom very much anymore. I think we prize, um, we prize beauty, we prize fun, we prize self-fulfillment, uh, we prize self-actualization, we prize uh, basic success, uh, goes on and on and on. But not many people wake up and say, I, I hope I can find out what the wise way to live is. And we're going to come across a a little phrase that I want you to focus on when we get there, which is uh, uh, the good way of life. There's a a show called uh, The Good Place, but we're talking about the good life. What is the good life? Because Americans have really misdefined largely 
what the good life is. And James is going to lead us there. But here's the kicker. I want you to look at a, a picture on a screen here of two pathways. Do we have that, my friends? Um, there it is. So some of you know the poem by Robert Frost, The Road Less Traveled. And I like this one because most pictures you see of roads left traveled, they both look equally traveled. <laughs> like you came to a fork and, well, I don't know, they both look pretty nice. But this one is really, really obvious. The one that is less traveled. And it doesn't really look very appealing. What I'm going to show you this morning from the Word of God is that not only the road on the right is the road of wisdom that God calls us to, but all the people that you are arguing with during this year, my sons have a song, If I Were You and You Were Me, it's, you have, it, it talks about 2020 um, enemies. All the 2020, year 2020 enemies that you have regarding any subject imaginable, what I'm going to show you is you're walking on the same pathway as the person you're opposed to because of how we are doing it. Wisdom is not just finding knowledge, the secret of COVID, the secret of vaccine, the secret of the right vaccine, the secret of not having the vaccine, the secret of going back to it, the secret of not going back to it, the secret of being red, the secret of being blue. You're all on the same pathway with the person that you're arguing with. Do it again, sorry. Some things none of us know are gonna happen. So God be with us as we study this passage. James chapter three, verse 13. So who is wise? Great question among us. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it, your wisdom, by their good life. And here he defines the good life. Deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Deeds motivated by love in humility is the life of God. It's the good life. So let's unpack this together. First of all, James, I'm out of breath from that. <laughs> James uses the word wisdom five times in his book. Four of them are right here. It's a prized commodity, both in, in the Hebrew culture. If you go into the Old Testament, one-third of the Old Testament is called wisdom literature. It's part of the Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs. You're supposed to be pursuing wisdom. And the Greeks especially were pursuing wisdom. But it's not just knowledge about any particular issue. Even not just knowledge about relationships and how relations... Knowledge will not get you to wisdom. Wisdom is applied knowledge in love. 
And that's the kicker, because that's what's so hard about the other pathway. You mean I have to love that person? Oh, yeah. Until we get there, what we are thinking about has nothing to do with Christianity. It's all theology. It's all philosophy. It's all science. It's all politics. Until... I can love you and serve you while disagreeing with you. Wow. That is uniquely Christian. So I want you to look at, with me at several verses that talk about this way of life. There's a word here that's used uh, that, that's actually a word identical to an English word, anastrophe. Most of us don't that, know that word, but it's, it's an English word that describes reversing uh, word order in, in a sentence or something like that. But it was used in the ancient world, whether someone reversed how they were living, like conversion, repentance, or whether they were just establishing the way they were going to live, it was anastrophe was was a word that was coined to describe your way of life, whatever it happens to be, good or bad. So here are the occurrences of this term. Galatians 1.13. There we are, awesome. For you have heard of my previous anastrophe in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church and tried to destroy it. Here you have someone who has decided what truth and knowledge is and now has incorporated that into his way of life and he's actually anti-Christian. He's anti all these other Jews and it's his way of life. Ephesians 4.22 talks about all these Gentiles having a previous way of life. You were taught with regard to your former Anastrophe. Now he's speaking to Gentiles to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires. First Peter 1.18, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from your anastrophe, your empty way of life. 1 Peter 1.15 But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in your anastrophe, in your new way of life. And then finally, 1 Peter 2.12 Live such good anastrophe among the pagans, though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your God on the day that he visits. So this good way of life is being defined all the time. Our culture is telling me all the time, find out what makes you happy and that should be your anastrophe. The one who has the most toys wins the good life and it goes on at success, so forth and so on. But here's the kicker. It always has the idea of the king of the mountain. 
Now, we love playing King of the Mountain. When, you know, I am so old that um, they would build houses without cement trucks. They would pull up in front of a, ha- a lot where a house was going up, and they would dump a big pile of sand. And then they would drop a concrete mixer. And they mix the concrete on site. Isn't that archaic? Doesn't it sound third world? Yeah, but we loved it. As soon as we saw this eight or ten foot pile of sand, we were all over that thing. And we played king of the mountain. We also built cities and tunnels and all throughout this thing. But we were king of the mountain. We'd try to throw each other. And we were a neighborhood of 17, 18 boys. And we would just throw each other down. And if you bled, if you cried, it didn't matter. Because we were the king of the mountain. And it's not only in sports, in our culture. It's in business. It's in education. It's in the military. It's, it's in your car. You know, someone asked me, Why, what's the difference between that car and that car? And I said, well, interior-wise, they're the same. The name is what you're paying for so that your neighbors will see that you are king of the mountain. Now, that's not you. It's somebody else. So relax. So what should we practice to have wisdom? He says, deeds done in humility. So the irony is it's not really words. It's not the decision I came to regarding COVID vaccines, although that is worth pursuing from a scientific medical basis. But now, when I go on Twitter, oh no, I got to love the Twitter is all about defeating everybody else on Twitter. Social media is all about screaming at all the other. And so there's nothing Christian, uniquely Christian about anything until we learn and then do in love. It doesn't mean we abdicate what we have decided or believe. We're not relativizing truth. Truth is truth, but truth without love, James is going to argue, is against truth. Because Christian truth is not just what you believe, but it's how you do it. 2 Timothy 2.24 says this, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind. To everyone? Oh, come on. (laughs) Able to teach, not resentful. Now, what do we do with our opponents? Listen to this. Opponents must be gently instructed in hopes that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. I've told you before the story of my grandparents uh, on my dad's side. Of course, they're with the Lord now, thank God. But when we shared Christ with them early on after my conversion and then my mom and sister's conversion then my, my dad's conversion, we converged on my grandparents at their house to tell them the good news. 
And we're marking it out, and they ask the question, so are you saying clearly that it's not just living a good life that gets you into heaven? And, and we said, yeah, yeah, you got it. It's, it's actually believing in what Jesus has done for us. And my grandmother said, so are you saying that a murderer could repent and have one of these Hail Mary conversions at the last minute and go to heaven. Yes! And she turned on me and said, then I want nothing to do with your God. If you're telling me that evil people and good people all end up in the same place just because of a prayer, I want nothing to do with your God. I thought, At any rate, it got worse. And... Uh, we went out of the house crying, and it was horrible. And we asked, now what do we do? And I didn't know enough of Scripture to know what the wise thing to do was. But I said to my wife, we, when we got married, because we were living in the same town as they were, Whittier, I said, now we have to live it. They heard the words, now we have to live it because you can't just say you're not my grandparents anymore right so the cancel culture is just a convenient thing and it's been going on far before woke and in in everything that's been going on now cancel culture it's been going on for thousands of years I don't agree with you you don't agree with me we cannot be together and we usually don't say it we just leave the church we just divorce. We just move to a different part of the name. We just, whatever we do, but that's not the Christian option. Notice it just got real quiet now. Because we're all convicted. We've all done it. So they're still my grandparents. We've had this very awkward conversation, and I still need to love them. So for the next eight years, we asked if we could schedule to come by once a month and have dinner with them, my wife and I. And we did, and we did, we did, we did, we did. And finally, my, the story goes, my grandmother uh, had uh, some tough rounds with cancer that finally took her life. Um, but we, they began to go to church with us. They began to... Uh, somehow like what we were doing and like the church and finally gave their their lives to Christ so that becomes wisdom mixing love with whatever truth we have decided this is truth and, and of course scripture truth is the same thing this is not New. There's a great book I've recommended three times that you not read it because it's too thick, it's too scholarly, um, but it's called Patient Ferment. Isn't that a weird title? Um, it, it has the idea if the church will be patient and loving in the midst of all the chaos, the church will win in the end. And the, and the scholar actually proves it from the early church. 
just goes through the early church and how the church in, in, against much greater odds than we are in politically, they were with the Roman Empire, much greater odds regarding pandemics. They had the Black Plague and everything else going on all around them without the medicine. Um, but they decided we've got to love, we've got to love, we've got to love. And love, withdrawing love was never an option. So now we come to the dichotomy that he paints for us here in verse 14. So in verse 14, he talks about what I would call fake wisdom. Fake wisdom is coming to a conclusion that feels wise, but it has resentment, selfishness, and division involved in it. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. Or deny the truth. So by behaving a certain way, you're actually denying truth himself, Jesus, by the truth that we have arrived at. Such so-called wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy, selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Now... Let me pause there. If you're feeling convicted like I'm feeling convicted, I am not suggesting you're demonic. I'm not suggesting that you're... Because we bristle at those words. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. But what James is doing is startling us to see that when division and strife are coming around, that there's an author to it. It's the devil. And I've noticed lately, 2020, every three months, the devil throws out a new thing. And I'm guessing boosters are going to be the next thing. And we're going to fight over boosters. And we're going to divide. And it's just So he has the ability to just keep lobbying, throw, lob, lobbying issues and issues and issues. And then we, we're going to take an opinion because we're Americans. <laughs> And, and I'm, I'm going to be Davy Crockett, and I'm going to find the Alamo, and I'm going to shoot at you. Because I'm American. You, like me, ask the question, what would Clint Eastwood do if he were here? <laughs> Not what would Jesus do. It's what would Clint Eastwood... That's the American question, and that's the bracelet we wear, and we're ready for you to make my day. But it's not Christian. It's just human. It's just American. So he, he first of all says, uh, if you harbor, and the word there is literally, if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition. Now, I looked in my heart. I can't remember a time that I had bitter envy. Can you remember you ever having? I, none of us wake up and have bitter envy. Like the Bible says, don't hate. Anybody here have ever hated anybody? No, we, nobody hates. We just dislike them intensely. <laughs> so what we do is we play with vocabulary to make sure we dance around the terms. So this term here, bitter resentment, the word resentment is actually the term zeal. It's, it's identical to the, the positive word, zeal. 
What he's saying is that if there's an issue that you and I become so zealous about that we actually resent the people that don't have our view. That's what he's talking about. And you'll read about it next week in James chapter 4. So that's this bitter envy. It's what I would would call zealous uh, resentment or animosity. And then he uses the word selfish ambition. But that can equally be uh, translated strife. It goes both ways. Strife, selfish ambition. So if you asked me, have I ever strived with anybody? I'd say, oh yeah, that's like, that's the story of my life. Striving and arguing. And I, have I ever been contentious in a zealous way oh yeah so now it is talking about me Galatians 5.20 says the works of the flesh are hatred we don't count for that we never hate discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition there's the identical word dissensions that is splitting in factions and sadly the Protestant church, we, we just do it all the time. Oh, you believe that a person should be baptized with more water than I do? I can't be with you. Oh, you believe that someone... Uh, I, 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 sorry, I'm just having so many doctrines go through my head right now. I'm telling them to get in line. Because we're not good at... S- differentiating between majors and minors all the minor issues are lumped into the major issues we stir them up and we're not good when it comes to beliefs in separating political beliefs from Christian beliefs and we stir them all up and so we just divide 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 I can't be with you you can't be with me and it goes on and on and on 2020 enemies I remember being at a town hall meeting. I think it was a school board meeting 25 years ago in Encinitas. And I don't even remember what the issue was. But we parents and we Christian parents were really upset. And I was was waiting my turn to speak I heard people go to the microphone and say things that I thought I would never hear. I am a Christian parent, and you have done this and do this, this, this. You are going to pay. You're going. And when I heard the final speaker before me say, "If you continue with this, you are going to burn in hell," and I thought, "Oh boy, um, how do I associate with Christians?" that are being unchristian about an issue I happen to agree with them on. Do you get it? Paul says the same thing, I think, in Philippians 3, where he talks about being passionate about his, in his former way of life, but he ended up locking up and killing Christians because of the truth that he was so 
passionate about. Well, let me move on here to these words that he uses in the end. He says that we end up Such wisdom does not come from, down from heaven, but is three things, earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It's earthly, I believe, meaning it's not coming from heaven. It's soulish. The word there is, is psychikos, which is talking about, from which we get our word psychology. And it's the word that's used for natural. It's, it's not supernatural. It's not amazing. It's, it's natural. It's soulish. And then the final thing is, and it's demonic, meaning the source is of the devil. Now, I think this might be a good way to think of it. How many of us have experienced our kids fighting? Yeah. I, I had a horrible instance, uh, do not do what I did, I, where I was uh, coming down from Newport Beach back to Santa, uh, San Diego, and my kids, we were on the coast highway going through Laguna, and the kids are fighting in the back seat, and I said, hey guys, I know you're tired, I'm tired, uh, let's just play Silent Giraffe, uh, let's, let's uh, do something and while his knee is on my side, and while his elbow is on my side, he won't stop singing. He won't, but you know, and it just was going. And I could feel the steering wheel melting in my hands. And I, fi- I finally said, you know what? This is my car. <laughs> you know, when you have to go to the heavy-handed thing, this is my car, like <laughs> king of the mountain. <laughs> this is my car, and we're going to do it my way. And we are now quiet, argument done, and if you can't solve it, then you can get out of my car. Well, I had drawn a line in the sand that kind of cornered myself, because what are the chances that my sons are going to fall in line? Now what do I do? So I just followed through. I pulled over. And I said, okay, out. They looked at me like, for real? I said, I wasn't kidding. Get out of my car. And they get out of the car. And my wife is looking at me as if you lost your mind. You just ordered your kids out of your car. And um, this isn't in the script either. So I pull around the corner. Um, and just wait. And Jan says, what are you doing? I said, don't worry. I'm just going to p- pull around, pick him up. And, uh, you know, I'm just following through with my discipline. And um, so as I pull a U-turn and come back and pick him up, I see one of my sons deck the other guy <laughs> in the face. And, uh, and they look and they see the headlights and uh, so they're shamed I'm shamed I, I open the doors I get in and achievement I achieved what I was looking for everyone drove home in shame 
Now, as I look back on that, you know, I don't think that was the best parenting technique <laughs> that I would recommend for anybody. But the point is, is that the devil has issues all day long that he can throw at us, but it's how we do the things that we do that become demonic. It's, it's the garden all over again where we separate from God, we're upset with each other, we're blaming each other, it's the woman you gave me, it's, it's well, no, he, you know, we're, and, and the source is the devil. And guess what the devil wants to do in 2020, 2021? What does he want to do? Divide the church. If he can splinter the church and the church can be so darn right about all these issues and not agree, then mission accomplished. So how we live our truth is as important as the truth that we're living. Praying with some friends once in Cairo, you remember when Muslim Brotherhood became uh, the government of Egypt. And uh, within a few months, 70 Christian churches were burned by the Muslim Brotherhood, and the government did nothing. And so our friends, our partners in Cairo, they called a meeting, and several of us flew in uh, for this meeting, and um, it, it was very cryptic. Uh, we, we met at one place, emptied our SIM cards, left them there drove to another place because we are new, we are being spied on by the government, the Muslim Brotherhood. And I heard my Christian's friends tell me two things. One is, this form of Islam is the most demonic, the most evil thing that could ever happen to us. But the temptation now is for us to hate them. And our call on this planet is to love them into the kingdom of Jesus, right? So God protect us from going for the bait. We need to love them. And for three days we prayed that Christians in, in Egypt would love the people that were persecuting them. So now we come to heavenly wisdom. But the wisdom that is from above, from heaven, is first of all, it's pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace and reap the harvest of righteousness. It's pure in contrast with disunity and disorder. It's considerate and gentle in contrast with being darn right. C.S. Lewis, if you read, you know, he's an apologist, which would seem that he's someone who argues for the truth. But I've noticed a technique he uses over and over is the phrase, before he's going to come through with the sword of truth, he says, it seems to me, I thought, what a humble way to present an, a life-changing truth. Because if it's true, yelling it doesn't make it any more true, right? 
It seems to me. And then it's full of mercy and good fruit. Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. And it's impartial and sincere, which means it's not hypocritical. And it will reap a harvest. These peacemakers will reap a harvest. So, in conclusion, here's the irony of... Oh, let's go back through this. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) Just sets the two wisdoms against each other. But let's go back to the picture of the pathway. So the irony, when I'm being just uh, right cognitively and verbally without love... I'm actually ripping out pages of the Bible to underscore the pages I'm trying to to emphasize. Do you get that? Nope, the Bible says that! But I'm actually ripping out all the pages about loving those people. We don't get that option. It's, It's denying truth to emphasize truth. And so James says we got to bring them all together and put them all together. Two weeks ago, I uh, was up at a conference up in Wyoming. And uh, at the last night of the conference, we went to this ranch where they said there was a horse whisperer. I know many of us have seen movies and read books about the horse whisperer. And uh, what was fascinating for me this time around was... Uh, this rancher had actually gone down to the horse blocks where they, uh, these wild horses, in this case it was a stallion, uh, is about to be sold for horse meat. And uh, that's just what we do with our extra wild horses in America. And I'm sorry if you didn't know that. Um, so he redeemed the horse. He says, you wild stallion are now mine. He brings him home to his ranch. And so he says, I've only met this horse once, and I'm going to be with him in this corral in front of you. And the corral's about this this big, this room here. And he says, and you are the audience, and I'm going probably not fully break this horse, but fully but partially break this horse in front of you. And he tells us the story of how, as a young cowboy, he used to abuse horses. Um, by, and that's how you broke a horse. You know, you ha- it was by force, by dominance, by king of the mountain. You get the parallel here. That's how we win. We win by being bigger and better than everybody else. And so he begins, first of all, he puts this big fire hose down the center of the corral. um, And he says, now, I want this hose to be something that uh, corners off one-third of the corral. And I want the horse to stay in one-third of this big space so I can be with him more. And I thought, how are you going to do that? The horse is not going to honor this line. In one and a half minutes, he had the horse honoring the line. He says, okay, whenever the horse goes on the big space, I want you to clap and cheer. 
horses hate noise, especially wild horses. And when he goes on to the right side of the hose, I want you to go completely silent. And we did that for a minute and a half, and the horse from that point on stayed on the right side of the hose. I thought, that's amazing. And so now this, this horse is kicking, it's especially kicking his hind legs, and, and he doesn't want to be around this guy, but he doesn't want to go outside of the hose. So he's, he's trying to figure out what to do. And, the, and the, the guide is just telling us, okay, what I want to do is this. And so eventually he, he puts out his hand so the horse can smell him. And of course, he doesn't put his hand like this. He puts his hand like this, might, just like you might do to a dog that's barking at you. And then he says, I'm going to let him smell my hat, my, my sleeve, and... And, and he keeps, in 45 minutes, he keeps moving closer and closer and closer until, and this is the point I want to get to you. He says, I don't normally do this this quick, but I sense that this horse is ready. And so he gets down on his knees in front of the horse and puts down his head in a way of submission. And the horse, you know, is startled by this and it's just... Because you and I know he could just use his front hoofs to tear this guy apart. And he bends down and starts sniffing the man. And right after that, the man says, now I want to start stroking him. And he says, mama horses don't pat horses, they lick them. He says, so I'm going to stroke this horse like he's being licked by his mother. And he starts doing that, and eventually, right before our eyes, he hugs the horse, the head of the horse. And I thought, oh my gosh. (laughs) But then I thought, that's what you've done for me, Jesus. It's exactly what you did for me. You came at Christmas. You weren't this wild, big God that said, I'm going to judge you. You're all going to hell. You were born in a manger. You came that way for me in humility. And then you came in humility on the cross in front of me. And you gave me the freedom to smell you, to discover. You gave me the freedom. You didn't force me. And so... If we're going to pursue truth, and we need to pursue truth politically, we need to pursue it theologically, biblically, in relation, truth cannot be relativized, but how we do the truth needs to be Jesus style. And it's going to call us to humble ourselves, and it's going to call us to love. Let's pray. Father, thank you this day for teaching us true wisdom, what we know and how we do it. And God, I am the first to admit that I have been uh, often allowed king of the mountain voice 
And I don't want to be that. I want to display your truth in love and in humility. And God, do that in all of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.